for those who are watching online. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and so today, uh, well, it's not yet, but soon to be uh, Father's Day. Um, every day is our Father's Day, but uh, for the dads in the room, uh, tomorrow is a is a large day. The uh, and I want to wish you guys a happy Father's Day. But like Gary mentioned earlier, uh, we in this place have chosen just to honor men and honor women on uh, Mother's Day because we found that in this family, there's so many who uh, have played roles and helped serve in those areas that we would uh, we would consider them, you know, just to have the same sort of impact. That fathers have. Um, Paul mentions we have spiritual fathers. And so today we want to talk a little bit about that. You know, Father's Day is often mentioned in, it's in, in church circles that Mother's Day we celebrate women and Father's Day we berate the men. Uh, it's like, it's like uh, you know, it's like the, the men get nervous when Father's Day comes around and just like you're like anticipating like a Hulk smash of a sermon on, come on, men, shape up. You know, the world's counting on you. Uh, if that's what you were expecting, you can breathe. We're not going down that road because I would be incriminating myself as well. And so we're actually going to go along with something that's very, very old, um, uh, old, almost as old as Scripture itself, where we know in the, in the Ten Commandments, uh, the Lord told Moses, let the people know that in the way you live in relationship with one another, to honor your parents, honor your father and your mother. And uh, it came with a promise that your life might be longer. You know, there's, uh, there's something about that. And so for myself, I, I would like to have a longer life. And so we're going to choose honor tonight instead. And, uh, not, and honor just simply means to value, to esteem, uh, to recognize. And so we want to take some time to honor, some, uh, to honor really, the, the, the fathers and the men in our lives. And, and I, you know, when I think about why, we've, you know, sometimes we've been to some of those negative talks on, on fathers and dads, I think it's because we know we're not perfect as dads. Any dads want to, like, agree? Like, I'm just not perfect? Uh, just me and, and the guy in the back. All right. Well, I'm glad we're here. But... You guys may never have, but there are dads who've done some dumb things. And unfortunately, there were people there to capture it on camera, like this guy right here. I actually thought that this was um, like Gary, uh, you know, t- taking his daughter's bike. You know, uh, we, we don't know how it ended, but probably not, not well, you know. And then there's, there's other things like this, you know, the Dutch dad who's like, the ketchup is still good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then there's like this collage of them as well. Um, I think you can see here the collage of different ways you can use duct tape, um, plungers, and never too young to teach your child to drive. So, like, fortunately for me, there was nobody taking pictures of the dumb things I've done, but believe me, there's a list, a laundry list of some of those things. And, and I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, you get a little bit tired of, like, trying to change yourself. You're like, okay, I'm not going to do that again. Or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a better, a better dad or whatever. But, you know, there's another tip or another trick or here's another challenge or here's another, you know, point. And, and uh, I think sometimes you just get to the spot where, like, man, I haven't even kept up to, like, the points from, like, three weeks ago, let alone another one tonight. And so today my prayer is this, that each of us would just simply hear Holy Spirit's voice for us today. I love that. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We want to hear your voice tonight. Uh, or today for what uh, you have to say to us. You know, the truth is we know that fathers matter. 
We know that fathers matter in the development of the lives of their kids. Uh, stats uh, have not changed uh, since, you know, since they began keeping them. Samuel Say was here speaking on systemic racism and saying, you know, in our culture, they think systemic racism is, is this massive problem. And that's why we you know, have prisons that are unjustly you know, filled with different demographics. But he said, to be honest, he says, it's not systemic racism as much as it's fatherlessness. That is a much bigger problem that it's the, those who are being raised without fathers that find themselves in that. And then if you go and look, the stats on crime, abuse, addiction, incarceration, poverty, and mental and emotional health issues are higher in fatherless homes. Those are just simply the stats. And I think that's why it's like always this thing of like, come on, dads, we got to do better. And yet tonight, I think, you know, we could focus on the problem or we could just look at what does it look like to be a part of a solution to that. And so three thoughts for today. They're not really well connected in the sense that they like, you know, build off each other. They're just three thoughts that uh, I had. And I, you know, I believe that um, there's, there's definitely something there for me to consider, maybe for you tonight as well. And if you're, um, if you're a woman here tonight, just, you know, like man is part of your, your description. Well, man. So there's stuff in here for you tonight as well. All right. So don't tune out. But tonight we're going to be looking at honoring men, and we're going to use the, the, the initials M-E-N for that. So M uh, is for mentorship. If you're taking notes, you can jot this down. M is for mentorship. Uh, because through Scripture... We see lots of this happening in, in the lives of people where there was this, this mentorship of giving and being living examples to others around them. And you know, it really is one of the, the parts of the solution to, the, some, to the, some of the, the real felt issues we have in our culture today. You know, we see Abraham back in the day, Abraham, he took Lot, his nephew, under his wing. You know, Lot's dad passed away. And he's like, hey, I'm going I'm to take you with me. And he showed Lot, this is what it looks like to follow the Lord. Like, we're going to, we're, we're leaving our country just because the Lord told me, this is what it looks like, this is what it feels like. And he, 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 he uh, brought him along. And then Lot, of course, is like, you know, wants to try new things, gets himself in trouble, probably like most teenagers do. And Uncle Abe, to the rescue, right, comes in, swoops in, is like, okay, we'll rescue you. And, but it did get to a spot where uh, he's like, hey, Lot, it's time, you know, it's time for you to go on your own, step out on your own. And, uh, you know, we see that, you know, even in today, that there's this, this, this gathering, you know, others under the wing. Uh, we see Jesus did it with his disciples. Some of them were younger, some of them were older, but he's like, hey, come along. Let me show you what it looks like to fish for men. Paul, we know, took Timothy and Titus and others, uh, other young people under, the, uh, under his wing in ministry. You know, we look at the life of Timothy when he wrote the letters to Timothy. We know Timothy, he had a dad. We just don't know anything about him other than that he was Greek. You know, we know his mom and we know his grandma. We know their names. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce them. But uh, we know that they had a real impact in his life. But we don't know much about Timothy's dad. But what we do know is that Paul says, hey, I'm like a spiritual father to you. And I'm going to take you under my wing. And when you're going through some stuff, I'm going to write you letters. I'm going to be there for the long run for you. And we see it in the letters that Paul wrote to them, that Paul's encouragement to Timothy was, hey, you, you do this for somebody else. If you have your Bible, go to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, Paul writes this letter to him. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. He's like, Timothy, I've like poured some things into your life. And he says, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. What's he saying? He's like, Timothy, I want to mentor you in some important things, in, in the truths of Scripture and in the spiritual matters. And he says, and he says, now take a moment when you find some time, find some people that you can do the same for. You know, they might be older, they might be younger, but mentor them in an area where, where they are a little bit behind you and, and give it to them in a way that they can go and share it with someone else. 
You know, and that's, that's this whole idea of uh, mentorship. And you're like, well, what about women? Well, there's some women, women mentorship as well in the Bible. If you look in Titus chapter 2, you can find it later. You can go home and look it up. But Paul writes to Titus, he says, hey, to the older woman, take the younger women under your wing and teach them some of these important things about what it means to be a woman and what it means to live as a, as a follower of Jesus, as a woman. He's like, pass that, continue to pass that on. Years ago, I was at a leadership conference. Some of you may have been there. I, for the life of me, cannot remember the speaker. I even tried Googling to try and find the speaker who said this. Uh, and, uh, but I remember the point vividly. And his point was, empty your bucket. He says, and when it comes to leadership and different things like this, every one of us has a bucket of knowledge, a bucket of life experience, uh, a bucket of wisdom, a bucket of leadership, things that we've had in our lives. He says, everybody has something. He says, you know, the, the encouragement was, what the people around you, maybe on your team or, you know, in your church or whatever, who are the people in your life that you can like empty that bucket into their lives? Here's some of the stuff that I've learned that, that may help you. And the, the challenge was this. You don't need to fill up someone else's bucket. You do not have the ability to do that, but you do have the ability to empty yours. You know, what, what life experiences do you have? What things do you know that you're like, huh, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could pass this on to somebody else that may be an assistance in their life. And sometimes we're like, well, we think about it in spiritual terms, but it doesn't always start there. You know, sometimes I think we limit our um, mentorship, the, that, that thought, because of, uh, because of our limitations. We think, you know, I don't know the Bible well enough, you know, to, to like lead a small group. You know, I remember Chris saying, you know, the women have all these precept ministries. I'm not sure, you know, I'm waiting for one of them to start that's going to let men come into it and, and join, the, join the group again. And he says, it just, it took forever. It never happened. He's like, fine, I'm just going to do it. I don't know what I'm doing fully, but I'm going to do it. And he got a couple other guys to help him. And, and what is that? It's like the, he pushed past a, a limitation. And, you know, there's the, there's the things that we have sometimes where it's like, man, I, I don't think I've, I don't think I, you know, I know enough yet to like help in kids ministry or lead kids ministry or like any of these things. And we think, you know, there's, there's these limits, you know, but it might not always be the spiritual things that make a difference at first. You know, one of my favorite Sunday school teachers, his name was Jim. When I was a kid, Jim took me to his house and he, uh, you know, I wasn't like, I mean, you might think I was like the perfect ideal, you know, Sunday school kid. You know, I listened to all the lessons. That's how I got this job. It's not the case at all. I was a pretty rambunctious. I got sent out to my parents more often than not. And uh, but there's Jim and Jim. He was like, you know what? This kid, we're going to do something with him. And so he asked if I, you know, I could come to his house and went to his house. And he uh, he was a bow hunter. And so he took me out and he showed me, you know, everything to do with bows and compound bows and crossbows. And I mean, it was sweet. He had targets and you shoot a target. When you got there, you could see another one. But they weren't just like targets. Like he had like animals, like a dead deer that had a target on it and he had like stuffed. And then you go from there and there'd be like a turkey down there. And I mean, I lost some of his arrows. He didn't care. He was like, man, good job. And just this encouragement. You know what happened next time Jim was teaching? Guess who was listening a whole lot closer? You know, and I began to hear how much Jim loved the Lord how much he loved the word. And he would sit there with his guitar and he didn't play super well, but he was singing about honey from the honeycomb. And I remember it like it was yesterday. Why? Because he just said, you know what? <laughs> I might not be like the seasoned preacher, but I know how to shoot bows and arrows. Let me empty my bucket into this kid. And it gave an opportunity for him to empty some of, the, some of his faith journey in my life as well. And I remember it. So what, my question to you tonight is, what do you have in your bucket? You know, maybe it's 
a learn, something you've learned. Maybe it's something you've experienced. Maybe it's something you've gained in your life. Maybe it's just a God-given talent like art. Maybe it's just simply, you know, something that's happened in your faith that you walked through something. You're like, you know what? There's going to be others who could, could really use that. And so I have a couple of questions. Say, do you have a Paul in your life? And that one's across the board. Do you have a Paul? Someone you look to and go, yeah, that's somebody I, I, I look up to. That's somebody who's a little further down the road than me. And that's any age. Saka, that includes you. You know, like it includes all of us. It's, there's no like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't need somebody on the other end. I, I think about my own life sometimes of how many times uh, uh, I've, I've reached out to different pastors who are just a little bit further ahead than we are. And I was like, you know what? I don't know what I need to know, but can I just take you out for lunch and ask you a bunch of questions that are on my mind? And maybe you can just tell me some stuff that you think I should know. That has saved our church time and time again as we've gone through simply because it would be one sentence. One sentence. Because sometimes we're like, well, we sit around and we wait and like, I don't have a Paul in my life because nobody's ever reached out to me. This will apply a lot more tomorrow with the teenagers. You know, nobody, you know, there's nobody's reaching out to me. There's nobody. And I'm like, you know what? Why don't, why don't you be the one to say, hey, can I take you out for lunch? <laughs> it might cost you your whole allowance, but it'll be worth it. What is it? Who is it that you see? And, uh, you know, can you empty your bucket? And tomorrow they'll know what that means. So that's the question. Does a picture, a name, person come to mind that you're like, yeah, that's the Paul in my life. And it doesn't have to be this ongoing all the time. Sometimes for me, that person was just lunch once. It was just, it was just Jim at that season of my life. He's not my mentor today. I can't even remember his last name. But he played a role in my life in that journey. Do you have one of those in your life? A Paul that you're like, yeah, that person... There's somebody that I can go out and reach out to. And the second thought is this. Do you also have a Timothy in your life? Do you have somebody that comes to mind? You're like, you know what? This is that, this is that person that, you know, is a little younger than me or just, you know, I'm, I've been reaching out to or helping and, uh, you know, they're helping them understand things of faith or different, different things. Do you have them? And maybe you're like, well, I'm too young, you know, or too inexperienced for that. And I'm just like, wait, hold on. Timothy was young. Like he was just a kid when he was mentoring other people. There was no, oh, you're too young for that. I think about Levi Ferber, if you know him from our church. He's just a young guy, but he's leading a Bible study of young guys and helping them. Today there was the Blossom Conference. Anybody go? Oh, she's like, oh, snap, that was today? <laughs> the Blossom Conference, where young women are just actually mentoring other young women, saying, yeah, I don't know it all, but man, here's what I do know, and emptying their bucket thing is you don't have to fill the bucket you don't have to fill someone else's but you can empty your own for their sake and so I'm, my question tonight is who is that person does a does a person does a you know somebody come to mind you're like you know what i think i'm gonna give that person a call second e e is for expectations you know sometimes we allow that limit of not knowing enough to stop us from doing anything it's like man i just don't know enough so i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna even start uh, or we hear a message like this and we're like Okay, I'm going to do it all. You know, I, I, I hear it. I'm going to go. Like, everybody get ready. I'm about to empty my bucket on all y'all, right? It's like, I'm going to call people. You know, we're all my kids. I, honey, I'm taking back the leader, spiritual leadership in our home. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it until we don't. You know, you get psyched up. And it's going to be like, this is it. And I think, you know, if we're honest, and if I'm honest, both of those sides where I'm not going to do anything or I'm going to do it all are both rooted in pride. A little bit of like, hey, it's, 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 it's what I'm going to do. This is that thing. And what happens in that moment? 
You know, we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves where it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm able to be that. You know, we want to live up to the bumper stickers we see in, in Canadian Tire. I was walking through there, to, you know, the other day and it's like, world's best dad, you know, or Mr. Fix-It can fix anything and, you know, like super dad to the rescue. And I'm like, man, I, I want to... I want to be able to put those on my on the back of my Toyota like that that I'm like like close to one of those. And uh but I don't know about you, but man as an honest dad, sometimes a sticker doesn't stick. <laughs> I I I'm I'm not I'm not super dad to the rescue. Like sometimes I'm not like Mr. Fix it can fix anything. Y- you know, I'm 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 not that guy. And sometimes, you know, I have to be like, I don't know, maybe I gotta make a sticker. Like, I'm humble, Dad. Like, I'm like, I have to apologize a lot, Dad. You know, say to my kids, you know, hey, I'm sorry, that did not come out right. And to just have that ability to say, you know what? It's not what I thought best dad, superhero dad looks like, but I'm not gonna allow those expectations to crush. You know, sometimes it's others that put those expectations on our lives. You know, sometimes it's like that, that, you know, as kids growing up, it's, I don't know, like, uh, like Oprah and a bunch of these, play, they became famous for that, you know, like, you know, people come on there, oh, my dad, parents were terrible, you know, and, and uh, going through, they, they share all their, their stories, and they expected that those people would be all that all the time, and, and, and then blame them for not being all of that, and, and I, I find, as I was prepping for this, and something happened in my life this week, where it's like, we really got to be careful about pedestalizing anyone. You know, maybe the, the, the whole thing of dad, the best dad in the world, he can't live up to that. We, we can't put people on a pedestal where, where their failure affects us in a, in a, in a way that, is, that it shouldn't. Uh, why do I say that? This, so, so I, for years, and if you're new here, there's, uh, I, for years, have said, please don't refer to me as Pastor Mark. I, I don't need the title. Titles do weird things to people. And so I've always just said, just, just call me Mark. Like, that's just good enough. And... Uh, this week, that actually worked out to my benefit. So our church got a, a scammer decided they were going to um, make a fake email with my name, took my picture off the website and stuck it on there, then found people's websites from our church that work, work for our church, like Gary and Tracy and a few others, and started emailing them saying, hey, it's Mark, I'm in a meeting, totally forgot I had to pick up some gift cards for a family, can you do it for me, and I'll re- reimburse you later. And then it said, signed, Pastor Mark Vanderweer. So my sister-in-law calls me. She's like, hey, you know, I just got an email from you, but I'm pretty sure it's not you. And I was like, how did you know? She's like, because it says pastor on the bottom. I was like, oh, phew, right? So we, we went through, and Gary's like, yeah, it sounds legit, but you said you're in a meeting. That can't be true. So <laughs> uh, I was lucky, right? Nobody got scammed. But, but when I think about that, I, I just think, man, how many times have people been put on these pedestals of, oh, the pastor, the pastor, and and then if something goes, you know, terribly wrong, it, it, it's these expectations no person can meet. We're just regular people. You know, I think, as, I, as I, thinking about this too, that sometimes the expectation is that, you know, if you, if you hear the stats that as a kid or whatever, you hear the stats and think, man, my future, like, my future isn't that great if this is what happened because of my dad's decisions. You know, dad did some things that and men have done some things in my life. It's kind of jaded me now. Uh, there's a guy named William Young. He wrote uh, The Shack. Uh, he's the author of The Shack. And he's also part of uh, uh, this movie called The Heart of Man. Both are the, a good read and a great video. But in The Heart of Man, he, he simply talks, talks about his vulnerability. And his dad was not a good dad. 
And uh, he says, you know, it took me 50 years to wipe the face of my dad off the face of God. He says, every time I came to see you pray or whatever, all I could picture was my dad. Like, all I could picture was that God felt the same way about me as my dad did. And it it took him a while, 50 years, he said, to come to understand who his heavenly father was. And, you know, I'd say the same thing, that just because, you know, the stats might say that, hey, you know, um, uh, they may say that it's it's negative from here. It doesn't mean you're doomed at all. I, I know great people who have had lousy fathers. I know great people who have had lousy men in their lives. But I'd say this, that most of the great people I know who had lousy parents in their, in their lives are ones who knew their Heavenly Father. They're the ones who know their Heavenly Father. And that's my final point. N is for homeschool, because I could not find a way to make this point start with an N. <laughs> so the, the great, you'll remember that point, I bet. Man, yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't want it to be me. All right, so, yeah. If somebody can give me a better one for tomorrow, that would be wonderful. Here's the point. The greatest thing I think that we can do as imperfect fathers, imperfect men, is point them to a perfect father. The greatest thing that we can do in any way as an imperfect father is to point Whoever it is, our children, those we're mentoring to a perfect father. Because that's what Jesus came to do. When he came, obviously came to give his life for us. But he came, uh, and when he was on the planet, he, 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 he didn't just come and say, okay, I'm here to die. He, he began to teach people. And what did he do? He wanted to reveal that the creator God, the God of Israel, is actually wants, to, wants you to know him as father. And so, you know, there's, I would say there's probably a little bit of fatherlessness in all of us. It doesn't matter how great your dad was or how great, you know, the, the men in your life have been. There's, there's a little bit of fatherlessness in every single one of us. And uh, as I think of Jesus, um, his most famous sermons, you know, where's his most famous sermon? Sermon on the Mount, right. And then there's another one called Sermon on the plain. Oh, the other mount. No, it's a good try though. Sermon, sermon on the plain. But to be honest, that's probably close because there would have been, you know, we, the, the, the scholars think that this was a message that, you know, Matthew wasn't even there. So how did he know all the stuff Jesus talked about the sermon on the mount? It's more likely a collection of stuff he preached on the mount, on the plain, in the village, and all kinds of places. And Matthew collected it all for us. But here's where Jesus is saying, let me tell you what the Father is like. Let me tell you who he is. Let me tell you what he's like. So if you have your Bible, we're just going to skim right through Matthew 5. Um, and you can just jot these down, but it's kind of rapid fire. You can go uh, home and check it out later. But Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, Jesus said this, you're the light of the world. He's talking to his disciples. He's like, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp's placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. What's he saying? He's like, hey, you know what? While we're talking about um, your heavenly father, let your life and your good deeds they're, they're meant to point people to him. They're, they're meant to be like this, this flashlight that shines towards him. Like picture a parking lot attendant at night or, you know, when you went to the theater and the, the person with the flashlight to help you find your way. They, they, you know, those people don't stand there with the flashlight on their faces. Like, hey, look at me. Like, that doesn't help me. I need a parking spot. You know, hey, look at me. I, I don't care what you look like, creepy in the light. I, I want to see, I want to see where I have to sit. I want to see where I'm going. And, you know, that's where Jesus is saying, hey, hey, in all your good deeds, in all of the way you live your life, it's never meant to point the light at me and say, wow, look how good I am. Man, raise those expectations. I'm super that. I'm Superman, right? Like, no, it's like, hey, just shine the light. They may not ever see you, 
but the light shines them in a direction that points them to the one that they do know, which is him. What do I know about him? How can I point people to him? Because he's awesome. And Jesus goes on to say this in verse 43. He says, you've heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I'm saying love your enemies. People are like, what? He's like, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be what acting as children of your father in heaven. Like he's like saying, hey, when you choose to love, that's a picture of what God is like. And it's not like, I, oh, I have feelings of love because you don't have feelings of love for enemies. He's like, it's choosing to be patient, to be kind, to, to choosing to show them love. He's like, that's what your heavenly father is like. Paul would later say in Colossians, he's like, you actually were those enemies that he's loving. You know, as his follower now, you're loving your enemies. But he says, you know, you once were his enemy because you were separated him from, by your evil thoughts and your evil actions. And he loved you. That's what your father's like. Matthew 6, verse 3 says this. And then when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private because your father who sees what? Everything. Everything. He will reward you. Whether you know it or not, whether you think it or not, you have a father who sees you. He sees you. He doesn't see just the outside. He sees you, the real you. Your heavenly father sees you and knows you. He sees everything you're doing. He's going to reward you for the things everyone else seems to forget. He sees you. He sees you. You know, Matthew 6, verse 7, he says this, and when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, he says, because your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. He's like, not only does he see you, he's actually listening to you. Like my kids, you know, I, I have this like uh, distracted listening. I see some of you do as well. <laughs> but I have this. My kids will come and be like, they'll, they'll, I'll be doing something. They'll be like, Dad, Dad, you know, and talking to me. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, just hold on a second. You know, like, and I'm like, okay, I can answer this text and whatever else. And, and, uh, and, and I realize later, I'm like, oh, I did it again. Like, I, I want to give them my full attention. But how often do I find myself in that distracted listening thing? And I'm like, I'm. I'm sure I really want to hear about the next update in Minecraft, like like the last hundred. But it's still that thing of like, no, I, I want my kids to know that I'm listening. But I find, you know, that that's a, that's a desire in us. I don't, I don't, at the, at, no matter what age I get, I want to know, God, do you, do, you, are, do you hear me? Like, are you listening? And he's like, hey, let me tell you. Uh, not only do I see you, man, I, I hear you, and I'm listening, and beyond all that, I already know what you're going to ask, and I already know what you, I just love it when you come and tell me, because then it's us together. You know, the end of Job, uh, we read it just recently with our read through the Bible, and uh, Job talks about, you know, at the end, God's like challenging Job, he's like, hey, do you know where the rabbits have their babies? And do you know how the sun goes up here? And do you know all the constellations stay in place? And he just like lists off this thing, like for two chapters of, do you know all of this, 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 this? Job's like, okay, you're like managing a lot of stuff. And the truth is, that was what it is. Yes, I'm managing a lot of stuff, and I also know how to manage you. So whatever is going on in your life is no surprise to me. Like, I, I already know, and, and I'm not distracted listening to anything. I can give you my full attention. And man, what an amazing experience it is when he has ours as well. Matthew six twenty six. he says this, look at the birds. They don't plant, they don't harvest, they don't store food in barns. Why? Because your heavenly father feeds them. He says, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? He's like, man, when you're worrying about stuff, he's like, don't you know who your dad is? Don't you realize? And the more that we start thinking about this, we're like, yeah, you really don't have to worry about that. 
he, he already knew this was coming. So, so what am I missing? What do I need to know? Well, I definitely know that I'm incredibly valuable to him. As someone used Ephesians 2.10 earlier, you're his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. You're his one of a kind, Riley. There is never going to be another one like you. You're his masterpiece, Vanna. He's, he, he is proud of who you are and incredibly valuable to him. I won't make anyone else nervous. But man, you have a father who thinks that way of you, regardless of what any other person, any other man, any other father has thought. And then Jesus finishes with this. He compares, he compares God to other parents. So Matthew 7, 9, he says, You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? I mean, no, we, don't, we, we, wouldn't, we would answer, of course not. He says, what if they ask for a fish? Are you going to give them a snake? Of course not. He says, so if sinful people, if you as sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? He is the good, good father that we sing of. He is the good, good father who gives good gifts to those who ask. And when I think about good gifts, what are those? Well, he gave his son. (laughs) He gave his son as a ransom for me to rescue me from my sin debt. That's massive. He says, he gave me his spirit to come and live inside me, to lead me and walk with me, that wherever I go, he is. There's, he, he's not just by my side. He's in here all the time. He's right there at, at, at any moment. And he's given us the ability to fully rely on him, should we choose to, to f- fully rely on him. You know, Jeremiah, we, I, I think we read this morning, I did. Some of you probably read it tomorrow because it's your day behind. Jeremiah wrote these words to the nation of Israel. Uh, and uh, he said this in Jeremiah 9. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. I, I don't know if you've ever been in a, like a guy's hockey locker. If you have, you probably hear them boasting about all kinds of unsavory things. Um, you have not been. <laughs> I worry now and wonder. But... It's like, you know, how, many, how much they can drink, how, all, all their conquests, all of these, like the, what they, the trouble they got into. And you know that none of it is like legit. But here, here, here's the things. Men tend to have this thing sometimes. I, mean, I just want to boast about it. It's that, it's that little bit of the, the ego thing. And here's, here's what the Lord was saying in, through Jeremiah. He's like, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Yeah, yeah, okay, you're wise. Don't boast in that. Or don't let the powerful boast in their power. Or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. Man, I stopped when I read that, and I was like, I could have read that again. That the, the, the boast, that this boast would be that I know him. Man, that, like, if, if anything out there would help somebody else, it's the fact that I truly know him. I know him enough to share that with somebody else. To understand, he says, that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love, who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and I delight in these things. He says, I, the Lord, have spoken. I thought, man, Jeremiah, like, that's like a long time ago, and it's just straight for today. Paul encouraged the Corinthians with these words in 1 Corinthians 11. 1. He's like, you should imitate me as I imitate Christ. He's like, you should follow me. That's that whole idea of mentorship. Hey, follow me as I follow him. If I'm not following him, don't follow me. But in the ways that I'm following him, follow me. And I think, you know, the, uh, I think of uh, good men in my life. I've been fortunate to have some great, great men in my life who, you know, who made, who made intentionally made 
their conversations about the Lord. I even remember my uh, um, father-in-law um, with, with his kids and the grandkids. As he's driving in the tractor, he'd, he'd point out things like, hey, hey, who made those clouds? God did. Who made those trees? God did. It was always these things of no matter where he went, he could take that conversation to, to the Lord. I think of my dad. And many of you know the story. When my brother was four, he got hit by a truck. He got thrown 60 feet, and it was, a, it was a bad scene. And my dad watched it happen, and the first thing he did was run to the house. And he called all of his kids, and we all ran to the front door like, and wanted to run out. He says, no, 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 we're going to pray. And I remember that because time after time, there's been those things where he's just said, hey, we're going to get together and pray. There, there might be these things going on, but let's do this first. It's so meaningful, so, so, much, so matters so much. You know, I'm grateful for the, the men in this church that are in Bible studies. Man, we, we, this church has so many men who have been in small groups, who are committing time every week just to say, I'm going to get together with other, other believers, and I'm going to encourage, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to share, and I'm going to be there for them. I think it's fantastic. Busy, busy guys who found ways to commit that time in their lives to knowing the Lord and growing in Him with other people, saying, we're going to do this together. And then finally... You know, maybe you're here tonight or maybe you're listening online and, and, and you resonate with that feeling of like the emptiness inside. You know, we kind of talked about that, uh, that the, there's a, there's, there could be that emptiness. Blaise Pascal wrote about it in his book called The God-Shaped Hole. One quote, two verses, and we're done. Blaise said this. It's old, but he says this. What else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim? He's talking about that emptiness. He's like, he says, what does it proclaim but that there once was in man a true happiness, of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there, um, the help he cannot find in those that are, even um, though none can help since this infinite abyss can be filled only with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, by God himself. He's like, there's this this emptiness. And maybe you know it, and you're like, yeah, it just, it's just always there. It doesn't matter how much money I make. It doesn't matter how many great experiences I have. It doesn't matter how many relationships I have. It's just, it's just there. It's this nagging. And you know, that's in us for a reason. It's that thing that c- keeps us searching for God, reaching out to Him, that recognition, a re- realization on the inside that there is a God. There is something more to this life than just this life. And it's you know, it's why Jesus came when we said, uh, you know, he came to reveal the Father. He also came to reveal the way to him. And he said this in John 14, verse 6. It says, Jesus told his disciples when they were asking, how do we get to the Father? Man, maybe you hear about this perfect Father today. Like, yeah, yeah I, would, I would like to know him. He says, I, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way other than that cross other than what Jesus did, putting your trust in him. And it's that famous verse uh, and the ones after it in John 3 says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in, everyone who trusts in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgments against anyone who believes or puts their trust in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged. Why? Just simply for this. Not for all their sins, not for all their stuff, but simply for not believing, not trusting in God's one and only son. And tonight, if you're hearing like, man, I hear like, yeah, I hear about God in that way, but I don't know him in that way. I think that God's like, oh, God, somewhere out there. He's like, that's not where he wants to stay. He wants you to know him as father. He wants you to know him as so close. And not to have your father's 
face on that in any sense of the word because we all have imperfect ones. But to know that a perfect parent is simply there to rescue you from, the, from, the, from whatever you've gotten yourself into, to have a relationship with him, you and him. And it simply just comes down to that this choice and decision to say, God, okay, I put my trust in you. I don't know all of it yet. I'm new to this, but God here, I, I want to know you. And then I would encourage you to do two things. One, find somebody who's a Jesus follower and say, hey, I want to follow Christ. Can you empty your bucket and tell me what do I need to know? And don't wait too long before you reach out to someone else and say, hey, let me tell you what Christ has done for me. Can we pray? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you that we can call you Father. You've made us your children. Man, what a gift it is. Thank you for eternal life that you've given us so we get to live right now. When we check out of this place, we just continue living with you. Lord, I just pray for each and every person listening here or online tonight that they'd hear your voice, that there was something tonight that was said that was meant specifically for them, that they would know it, they would hear it, they would recognize it, and they would do something with it. God, I pray that for my life as well. Thank you for never giving up. When you went to the cross and did all the work in my life through the years, I honor you. You truly are a good, good father, and you're worthy of praise. Love you, and thank you for loving me. I ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. So we, uh, as always, want to leave you some questions just to think about, ponder, take home, chat with somebody, or I'll just pray that if you don't, you'll lay awake tonight, and these will just be like going through your mind. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I won't do that. But here they are. What are they? What, what jumped out at you from today's talk? What was something like, hmm, I got to think about that a little bit more. And then second, do you have a Paul in your life? Is there somebody you reach out to and you're like, you know what? Hey, I, I, there's a person. This is the person. Or, and it doesn't always have to be that one and only, but maybe who is that person? And then second, do you have a Timothy in your life? Because I think this is a, probably one of the most important questions we can ask tonight. Because I think in our, in our Christianity, we think it's, you know, pastors, that's what they do. But discipleship was meant to be what you do. Ministry was something that you were meant to do. So who is that person in your life? And then um, third, what kind of expectations um, feel like a burden for you? Like tonight, as we mentioned some of those things, it's like, oh, I got to be, I got to do, I got to. And it's like, oh, it's all I, I, I. And those expectations feel burdensome. Lord, let me get my eyes on you. What are they? And then finally, in... Uh, in what ways could you empty your bucket for someone else? Man, I think there's, there's no shortage of them, actually. Like, I even just think of people like uh, Grant Lamb, who is a truck driver, who took me around. I wanted to get my license. He's like, well, I'll show you how. <laughs> you know, different, different people. But, man, I ended up going to Guatemala on mission trips with the guy after. Like, there's so many of those that started with this, and God had other things in mind. What might they be? Hopefully that was a blessing to you tonight. Hopefully it's an encouragement. If not, well, for the men, we have free sweet stuff. At least it was worth coming. And uh, uh, tonight, yeah, I'm just blessed to be a part of this family. So thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, go out and shine. We'll see you later.